Hey everybody, it's Chris here. I just want to say we had a little bit of a technical issue this week, so Ryan's audio isn't as good as it usually is. It's better than episodes one through four, but not as good as the last few. Um, it's still audible. You, it'll be it's level. You won't have a problem with it. But just wanted to apologize in advance. Otherwise, uh, enjoy the show. And if you have questions for the end of season one special, hit us up. We're working on a few things. If there's a delay in the release of the next episode, we'll note it on our Twitter, which is at ExoSquadGoals. And yeah, anyway, back to the show. Start the show. Now back to ExoSquad. Hey everybody, welcome to ExoSquadGoals, the ExoSquadcast podcast. I'm Chris Mastalone. I'm Ryan Hardy. And I'm Chris Farantino. And on this episode, we're talking about episode 13 of season one, Defying Olympus, the season finale. The ultimate uh, episode. Yeah, it's the fucking greatest shit you've ever seen. It's, it's so, good. so good, though. <laughs> it's so fucking amazing. What did you guys, what did you guys well, like about before, it? Before, oh, you want to get into it? What? I want to say this episode, this bad fucking ass episode was written by Michael Edens, who was the he's the story like producer or the executive story editor for he the writes show. a lot of them he's a he's a big man on campus yeah dude he friend of the podcast yeah friend of the pod he wrote freaking god like you look at it it's like pirate scourge hidden terrors blitzkrieg resist scorched penis and defying olympus and just in season one and like he goes on to write way more on the show he also writes for other shows like tailspin tmnt rescue rangers cops the real ghostbusters this guy's like a fucking pro and did, did you say cops series. Yeah, well, COPS. Oh, okay. Like, the case uh, of this, it was the episode, The Case of the Disappearing Doe. Sure. So, I was like, do cops I mean, have writers? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, the that streets. drunk guy keeps getting used over and over again. Um, but yeah, this guy's amazing. The stuff he's done. He's a baller. Yeah. It's kind of crazy. Um, you know, and just years and years and years of work from everything from G.I. Joe to Street Fighter, Wing Commander. I mean, so you know you're going to get a good own. episode. Dope. Oh, dude. Any, we got a wing commander cast the exo cast, cast I would, is the next I would, one i would wing cast that show was sweet fuck yeah dude and uh we'll get some uh, chris roberts on talk a little roberts verse huh reach i'm all in on the roberts verse <laughs> yeah kill rathy and all that stuff up down no left right there's like one person will get that reference dude yeah. franchise i just want to i just want to shout out general franchise science fiction it's all awesome <laughs> dude it, it really like the greatest shit because you can build such a world but like anyway so getting back to it like what makes this episode so freaking amazing i think we can start with like marsala's borderline like transcendent discussion of like right and wrong and like vengeance uh when he refuses to shoot the exosquad your speech about terran treatment of the neo sapiens sounded pretty convincing because it is true. Humanity's treatment of my kind has been inhumane. But Phaeton's way is worse. It is genocide. After the uprising, I took two oaths, one to the Exofleet and another to this squad. If there is to be a future for both our peoples, we all must learn loyalty, respect, and trust. He makes a pretty I mean he makes a pretty good point. I mean that Phaeton's way is worse is sort of what it comes down to. Is like is like it's it's all bad, but like we can either continue to live together or we can kill each other. And I'd rather live with people that I don't get along with than die. And it's shockingly honest, right? Like, yeah. Like like Legolas and Gimli never are like, but it's still fucked up. Your people killed my whole city. Like they just kind of like are like we're bros now. Like Marcel is straight up like, no, I love all of you. But what your people did to my people was unforgivable. Like, that's an incredibly nuanced thought for, like, an HBO drama. And, like, this is a show for children. Like, that's pretty awesome. Everybody drink. Um, <laughs> no, I mean, it's true. Like, you're, because the whole time you're kind of, like, wondering, like, why did people even do this? You know, like, it doesn't, like, I mean, Phaeton says, like, it took it took humans however many X years to achieve peace among themselves like how long is it going to take for us to achieve peace with them and yeah. you know you have this question in the back of your head which is why did people even do this and it it doesn't kind of matter you know but what matters is like how you live with it 
and like Phaeton's way is to is to kill the people he doesn't like see as fitting in with his plan. And and Marcel is like that's worse than like living with the memory of it. it it's interesting because like the neo everything about the neo sapiens evokes like the Frankenstein myth, and it's cool like because they are like they're creations that were rejected by humanity, um, and that come back like intelligent and like and part of it is like like Phaeton represents like the destructive like and like him and Marcel are kind of like the two sides of the monster. I feel like, like, right. Marsala is, like, the intellectual, like, he understands, he's he's interested in breaking the cycle, Phaeton's more just interested, interested in making sure that they wind up on top. Right. Phaeton wants to win, Marsala wants, like, healing, or yeah. something. He, he wants, yeah, it's like, there's there's a lot of cyclical stuff in Exo Squad, and very few people other than Marsala, like, kind of see, kind of recognize that it's a cycle. Do you think like um, his relationship with Nara Burns has like changed who he is? I think it's, I don't know that it's super obvious. I mean, it's there cause they share a frame, but I think it's, there's a lot of like, especially towards the end, a lot of close-ups with him and Nara that speak towards his like, I mean, do you think he's got a soft spot for her and that's why he changes or do you think it's just all logic? No, no he definitely, he definitely loves his squad mates. And he like he But is Nara special? Is my I guess that's my question. Oh oh yeah, definitely. Yeah. I mean they're 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 like there's an implied romantic relationship. They're closer than uh, Bronski and Takak. Like they really like love each other. Like Yeah. Yeah, no, I mean there's definitely like you know, when he's talking about keeping his oaths, you know, to the squad and to, you know, his loyalties and all that stuff, like you know, there's an added layer to it where he has actually something to care about now, you know when JT turns to him and makes a joke, that's actually an actual relationship. It's not just like, oh, humans and Neo-Sapiens. It's like actually individuals talking to each other and forming a relationship, which I think is like the coolest thing about that because, you know, it sort of talks about, you know, I mean, you see how Phaeton and Typhonus and all these other guys deal with each other and it's just super fucked up all the time. You know, they just want to backstab each other left and right, you know? So I, I think that's like a big theme. And like you said, it's cyclical. You know, you go from him, Neo Sapiens being despised to having like at least a glimpse of how they can all live together and get along, you know? Yeah, there's like, there's like problems with, so there's problems with human beings who are like emotional creator, creators, creatives, but there's also problems with being unemotional and being like so logical and uncreative, right? And I think that's like the interesting tension of it where I think it's almost like a false trap to get caught up in like why humans made neo sapiens instead of to look at like the difference between almost personality types between them you know like that's kind of what the show is about to me and it, it's i think it's significant that we don't ever really see them like making neo sapiens like where this right. all started is kind of irrelevant like the right. point is that it's just been going back and forth for hundreds of, for the hundred years Neo Sapiens have been around, it's just been a constant cycle of like and like Marsala sees it and is like, no, like there's there's no fundamental break in the value of a Neo Sapien versus a human life. Which is like a thought no one else but the able squad seems to share in this show. And I think like for me, like I'm like throughout the first many episodes of this show, it was like I wanted to see the moment when they decide to make Neo Sapiens. And I think it was like this episode that brought home that point, which was like, it doesn't matter. You know, it's like, it's like the, the, the literalness of it isn't important. They're sentient being, they, they kind of, they kind of fill the same role, like mutants in, in like the Marvel universe, which is like, they can be any other group of people. Right. Yeah, no, they, I mean, they definitely pick up, you know, if you're, a repressed group if you've had any form of repression or oppression i should say um they are that that group it's like uh the bajorans on, i think it's the bajorans on uh on star trek yeah, you man. know the cardassians uh cardassians not cardassians i know right <laughs> yeah it, it, until you actually see it, you never really think of it then you're like wait a second hold up they'll kind of um, look like bruce jenner with weird hair <laughs> yeah weird neck ridges um, but yeah, you know, it's like depending on the episode, 
you know, they represent sort of like, oh, there's like a Jewish German World War II thing going on, or there's a Israeli Palestinian thing going on, but it doesn't matter where it comes from. It's sort of this idea of, you know, they take sort of these universal tropes and try to weave it into this new story. And I think it's the strength of these characters that we kind of get introduced to that really makes it, you know, makes it come together and makes it matter in the end, you know? Yeah. There's, there's also something to the idea that like, cause Marsala leads the revolution. Like Marsala has more vision than Phaeton and like Marsala sees that like continuing the war between the species is not right. Is not what to do. Like, this yeah. is this is a weird comparison. Uh, maybe it's the wine talking. I don't know. Um, <laughs> there's a difference between being the president and being a chief executive. Um, so like Marsala has like much more of a broader like understanding of like everybody's needs, and Phaeton is very like focused and on getting everybody to do what he wants. Yeah, and, no, it's you know. Well, yeah, yeah. I was gonna say Phaeton sees a problem that needs to be solved. And he knows one way to solve it, as opposed to Marsala and a lot of the other Neo Sapiens that we're going to meet along the way, you know, in this journey to episode 52. Um, that see, there's a gray area that don't want genocide, that want, you know, a better way for both these species going forward. Because, you know, realistically, neither one's going away. You right. Know? Like if someone disagrees with you, do you beat them up? Do you kill them? Or, or is there a way to like you know, come together or find a, find a commonality or, or discuss it, you know, is there a better way of doing it? And I think that's why like Marsala exists as a bridge sort of between the two worlds. Definitely. Well, while, you know, while we're on this, let's get into the episode. Bit. So, like, <laughs> yeah. <no. laughs> Cause I realized it's been like 10 minutes and we're like, Oh shit. Um, and I love yeah, the stuff that carries through. Uh, so like, so we start, right where we left off on the last one like you know they're in the uh i think they're in the big cloning vat room and there's like you know they have phaeton as a hostage and typhonus is like eh, just just show up and kill them all right yes <laughs> sorry I'm, I'm, call, I'm calling up the, i'm calling up the episode <laughs> um can it's, i can i just say uh yeah. i'm gonna read another episode that uh michael edians worked on for a show called dog city called the adventures in puppy sitting that's awesome. Which I really want to see. I don't know how I can find that, but I really want to see that. Yeah, I want. I want. I want on that tip. That's all. That's fantastic. Let me. Let me do a quick uh, wine recap of the episode. It's quick and dirty, man. So uh, we start off where we left off, and the Exo Squad is sort of takes uh, Phaeton hostage, and Phaeton wants Typhonus, who's the general of Mars, to help. Um. You know, kill the Exo Squad, but Fate, uh, Typhonus says kill all of them, meaning Phaeton too. Like, so Typhonus turns on them. You are in no position to dictate terms, Terran. You see, even the greatest of leaders is expendable if there are others waiting to take his place. You traitor, you would betray me for your own ambition. My army will not serve a usurper. Farewell, Phaeton. You will be remembered forever as a martyr for the Neo-Sapien cause. Order the troops to attack and take no prisoners. So the Exosquatter, they're in this room. Um, they've got Phaeton. And they need to find a way to escape before Typhonus' forces come and kill them all. So they, so somebody, I think Nair or someone has the idea to go up the ventilator shafts, which is always the uh, optimal uh, escape route in science fiction, is the ventilator shaft. So they escape through the ventilator shaft. They take uh, Phaeton with them. They escape. They get out to a ridge. <laughs> I'm like conjuring here. Um, uh, it's Marsala's sort of like interest in care and Nera that uh, allows Phaeton to turn turn the tables. Phaeton beats the shit out of Marsala, has him right on the edge of the cliff where uh, Nera shoots Phaeton and he falls off the cliff, right? And there's a great line, which is like, I was aiming for his gun. Which I think is <laughs> hilarious. You have played me long enough, Terran. Good shot. Not really. I was aiming for his blaster. To say nothing of the fact that there's a great line earlier in there, which is Phaeton says to Marsh, do you think my death will make a difference? And Marsh goes, 
it'll make a difference to me. You have no chance to escape. Surrender now. I offer you a painless death. Listen, if we go down fighting Typhonus, we'll take you with us. Lieutenant, humanity's end is inevitable. Do you think my death will make any difference? It'll make a difference to me. Which is like, <laughs> I could talk a long time about that line because I think in general, like the scope of these things tends to be so big that like that's such a personal moment that I really think is beautiful. Oh, no, I want to talk about that when we in a little bit, because their whole relationship in this episode is freaking like awesome. But yeah, hop on it, my man. So so Phaeton falls off this cliff seemingly to his death. Yeah. Uh, what I love about this episode is like the theme music comes back. Like you can really tell it's an important episode when the theme song shows oh, back yeah. up. Um, they have the opportunity to escape, but Marsh tells them that, that it's not worth it, that they're going to go back to uh, destroy the brood center. So they climb the top to the top of Mount Olympus, narrow falls, uh, fate, uh, Marcella catches her, not fate, Marcella <laughs> catches her and, and you know, she goes back up and he goes like something like, Climb well and never burns. I love you. Uh, <laughs> Hold on. I have you. Are you all right? You saved my life. Just as you saved mine and JT's. Thank you, Marcella. Climb safely, Nara Burns. They go up and they... Um, they get their E-frames and they all give the, they put their ordinances in the E-frames and they give the E-frames the command to go uh, walk themselves into the volcanic, the lava of the volcano of Mount Olympus. They're going to blow up the whole mountain, blow up the brood center. Uh, Phaeton comes back. He got shot off of the cliff, which goes back to Ryan's point from last episode about how uh, laser blasters sort of do the damage that's required, not necessarily consistently. It's like <laughs> punching someone. Like it's not like they don't make they like they like they don't go like it's just like you know it'd be cool if I could punch someone across the room. I'd rather not knock them unconscious. Like <laughs> <laughs> I could kill somebody with a punch or just give them a, a light bruise. The distance is all the same. <laughs> so as Phaeton comes back, um, he fights with Marsh. Um, and he brings Marsh back into the volcanic ash because he's showing him the superiority of, 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 of uh, Neosapien technology. Um, Bronsky con- like, talks to his frame psych- psychologically, psychotically. He, uh, he gets on that Wi-Fi. Gets on that Wi-Fi. Gets on that ill shit. And <laughs> tells his frame to shoot a grappling hook at Phaeton, which breaks the glass in his uh, frame. JT shoves his like wing which is on fire into the frame um, which is so fucking sick it's That's really like, cool but it's like shit. it's like this thing's impervious to everything but bronsky's uh punch in the face which is i'm cool with yeah phaeton escapes like all the e-frames are melting have like walked into the volcanic ash their fusion packs are gonna blow up um what am I missing? I'm missing the end here. Oh, they, uh, so they're, they're on the elevator. They're they're on the elevator, yeah. Why don't you take it from here, Chris? I've talked a lot. Oh, whatever. I, I talk all the time. Uh, so, yeah, after Phaeton, like, you know, the big blast goes off with all the E-frames. Phaeton, like, pieces out, you know, surfing some lava out the door or something like that. They're on, the rest of the squad's on this, like, gravity elevator. The thing loses power, falls down. JT Marsh's frame catches it. And then Marsh is just like, come on, baby, just a little more juice one last time. Look, it's JT. Come on. Come on, baby, one last time. More thrust. No. And fucking, like, shoots them out the roof top of Olympus Mons. They sit there, and the whole volcano is, like, blown up. And then Marsala just goes like, well, our fight's over. We have won the battle, but for us, the war is over. It is a little thing we lose compared with the stars. JT, that star is moving. That's not a star. That's a ship. And this is, like, the end of Lord of the Rings, right? So they're, like, sitting there. They're just waiting to die. And Marsala gives this great soliloquy, like, you know, our pain is nothing compared to the stars. Oh my god, that star's moving. And what is it? It's Kaz and Maggie's fuck ship just coming down to save them. <laughs> like Lord of the Rings, like the Eagles, that fuck ship is their eagle. And they ride that thing back to the fleet. 
Take it, Ryan. So they fly back to the Exo fleet, and Winfield is like, "Great job, guys! Uh, you stopped the uh, you stopped the battle." But I have another mission for you. You have to go to the outer planets, find Simbaka, and convince him to join our fight. And then we come to uh, a a um a like exosuited Phaeton who is like looking off into the lava uh, and addressing Typhonus. Um, and he explains that uh, I'm not going to kill you, Typhonus, um, but you have a new task. Don't come back to the Neo Sapien Empire until you've killed Marsh, uh, Marsala, and especially the biggest threat to the Resistance, Winfield, and then the credits roll. And it is so sick. It's so awesome. <laughs> like, um, so one thing I really want to shout out is uh, this episode has, like, every great science fiction cliche all together. Like, uh, robots being smarter than we think they are. Um, people referring to guns as like pea shooters is in there, which is rad. <laughs> lava, oh, uh, base, base, uh, with lava in it. Um, like lava flood, uh, uh, loading munitions into like, like blowing up a ship to destroy a base. Oh, it's all, it's so good. Dude, I, I just want to, sh- let me, let me just say a couple of things here. So you have this episode, right? And it starts off with that Marsala speech, which is just, you know, we talked about it before where he's, you know, like... It's deep. <laughs> it's fucking deep. It's, it goes you know, deep. What's, it, it's like the treatment <laughs> of Neo Sapiens has been inhumane, but genocide is worse. And it's like, fuck, drop that knowledge, Marsala. Um, and then, like, the, 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 you know, I just want to say my favorite moment from the whole thing is when they climb back up into Olympus Mons. Well, two things. When they climb back up into Olympus Mons... And they have to fight, like, the mechanic Neo-Sapiens. That would be, like, the guy from uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark, the big German. Yeah, yeah. And for one, one of them's just totally... They're just, like, normal Neo-Sapien dudes at that point. One's wearing a baseball cap. But it has one of my all-time favorite moments in the series when Marsala jumps up on the back of... You know, one of the mechanic jumps in one, like, the toad frames, right? And Marsala jumps up on the back of it. And, uh, you know, he is about to, like, you know, kill two of the members of the squad. And he takes a giant wrench and he says this line and I wrote it down. <laughs> Which is, uh, it's fusion power transformer. It's its only weak spot. It's fusion power transformer is the only weak spot. He spent a long time on that quote. <laughs> yeah, he like he has the hammer like or the wrench above his head, says this like long ass line, and then smashes it, and then the thing like falls down, and we get another haunting shot of a Neo Sapien who was just doing his job. He was actually acting in self defense. He ha- he was in the right legally. Um, he was being attacked. He stood, he stood his ground. Yeah. <laughs> but like it's such a long like soliloquy while he's up on the thing. I'm like just just blow it up. Don't talk about it. They all know. This is also one of the few scenes we get where we see how, like, E-frames stack up to, like, a normal, like, soldier, which is cool. Like, one E-frame can take down, like, ten individual fighters. Like, Yeah, no, it's... So, the other thing I was going to say, like, and this ties in, is you get a lot of, like, kind of callbacks to, the like, the rebellion and how it was put down. So, for example... There, you know, like Phaeton was stopped by Winfield, you have a Neo Sapien in a frame and everyone's cowering. But by working yeah. together, they're able to overcome it, right? Yeah. Right. I never thought so, about that. That's a really yeah. good point. Marsala hits the thing. Torres, like, has a cool one-liner, shoots it in the back. The thing falls down. We get that shot of this terrified mechanic, and it blows up. We Then we flip it, okay, where, you know, things are sort of coming together. But when Marsh is fighting Phaeton, and they have that moment where, you know, Marsh has lit Phaeton's frame on fire, and he's on foot, and the game's up, and Phaeton looks at him and nods. That's a direct, like, callback to basically Winfield having, you know, Phaeton in his grasps. You know, it's basically setting up that Marsh is the new Winfield, even though, until the end, he doesn't know Marsh's name. He's just like, you've just troubled me, man. This Terran's a pain in my ass. 
So it's kind of this interesting, like they're establishing that relationship so hard and they're just mirroring like this key pivotal moment in the history of the show. And I don't know, it just like, you know, but it's working together versus the extremists, you know what I mean? Where it's Phaeton will never work with anyone and it will always be him versus everyone else. I don't know. I just thought that was like kind of brilliance, you know? Dude, that's awesome. I never know. I never noticed how well it lines up, but you're totally right. Right? It, <laughs> like, yeah. Like it's a hundred percent exactly like a reversal. Like, and yeah, it, it ties back to that whole thing about like the, 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 the danger of like it being a cycle, right? Like we're just going to keep doing the same thing over and over again. If people like Phaeton are in charge, like, yeah, as opposed to, you know, being able to work together and, come out on the other side of this you know i just i love that shit I, that's one of the things i think is so good about this like this series and this episode in particular is its way the way it takes like something that like, like you said it has like a lot of the great sci-fi tropes but you throw them in the blender and you come out with this like really really smart really good thing on the other side yeah but you know like i think i think like you go from sorry you go <laughs> you, you go from this idea of like wouldn't it like just the premise to it's not just a premise that we're talking about. It's it's something that they've actually thought about and really developed, and it makes yeah. a lot of sense. It's and, and I don't mean that like I think if you were them, you'd, you'd be like, of course we thought about it. We're not idiots. But there's so many things that I think are just premises, you know, like and they don't go beyond that. They're not um, thematic. They're not getting to something richer or deeper. And I think like this is like something that sort of ties it all together in a way that makes us go like wait a second, this isn't just like a what if like humans had to fight, you know, human creatures. It's it's really, not that it hasn't been deep the whole time, but I think it really brings it home how much, how deeply it's been thought about. Yeah, what's what's really interesting to me too is like the show is called Exo Squad. Like the toy like is based, the marketing is all based on like the Exo Frame, but the Exo Frame like, the nature of the exoframe is almost never explored. Like it's the least interesting part of the whole show. Um, except in this episode, when we get the information that like they're semi alive, like they're kind of they might be they might be smarter than. Uh, so that yeah, that's an interesting moment. So like, Marsh's frame says goodbye to him, despite him not being like plugged in, right? Yeah, and and like I said, Wolf hopped on that Wi-Fi, sent that kill command. And Which like, again, it yeah, it like wouldn't be weird, but Marsh goes makes a point of saying I wasn't plugged in. Yeah, and that's then, a, and yeah. Then, and then Marcella says humans are great creators, but they don't often understand the consequences of their actions. Which is yeah, like which, very clearly uh, talking about Neo Sapiens. Thanks. Farewell, Operator JT Marsh. <clears throat> what? It talked to me. I wasn't plugged in, but. Talk to me. Humans are great creators, Lieutenant, though often unaware of the consequences of their gift. It also does explain uh, Deleon's frame just giving Bronski shit for like two episodes. All the time. Yeah, if they're like, <laughs> you know, that's like the thing they didn't realize it created in artificial intelligence was sarcasm. And, yeah. you know, the final payoff is they all, you know, they'll, they'll fight for humanity, you know. Yeah. I don't know that they dig too much into it going forward, if I remember. But like, uh, yeah, they, they they hit on it a little bit with the with the with the daily on stuff, but they don't really go into like they don't talk about like the e frame itself that much. Like, yeah, yeah, it's more of a tool. Like you said, it's it's, it's a means to an end. Yeah, yeah, it, it's like the car in Viper. You know, we're really interested <laughs> in the guy who is driving Viper, but he has a Viper called Viper. So it's a character. <laughs> the character viper yeah <laughs> but it's interesting because like most of the time like technology driven space operas like this like fixate on the technology and it's like like there's no there's never a real consensus on like what weapons are on each e-frame and like what their real like what their jobs are like that's all that's like never discussed in the show but they're, they're kind of yeah yeah but they're but they're there in the design i think they did you know they're not all the same but it's never like about that it's yeah, about that's... these characters and how they go through the world and how they like deal with yeah that's interesting. yeah 
I'm, I'm just saying it's interesting because like it's called Exo Squad, but like like we almost never talk about the. EP. Yeah, no, you know, it's it's. I mean, it's sort of like if you go to, uh, you know, you look at Star Wars, and there is very much like a fetishization of. Well, I just butchered that word, but anyway, you just like the focus on like the gear is awesome. You know what I mean? Because it, it's it's been there. It's cool stuff and all that, but. And they take, but they never fixate on it too much. Battlestar doesn't as much, but I don't know. There's like, I think again, it's part of like not having this uh, as developed a mythos. You know what I mean? Kind of like it came about at just the right time where it was like it kind of was what it was, and no more. There weren't like a series of novels or games or there was one game which was awful. Um, sorry, but it kind of was its own thing, and you could just take it as like. Oh, I know a Neo Sapien E-frame has like a missile blaster on its right arm and some lasers on the left arm, arm and some missiles on its shoulder. But other than that, I don't know that that's faster than a Y-Wing or a Toad or that weird three-story one that just kind of falls over with a blaster shot to the leg. You know, it's we have variety, but it's not like commented on as much. Right. Yeah, I think that's a good that's a very good way. Of it. And, 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 and don't get me wrong. It is awesome. Like, oh, it's like the sickest shit. Like, you know, I love me a good. Uh, I'm, I'm a big fan of the Dalion frame. You know, you probably get really good Wi-Fi and cable on that little dish on there. <laughs> you know, it'll sass you. I mean, come on. You can watch the leftovers. <laughs> exactly. Watch the girls. leftovers on HBO. Girls, yes. Exo Squad girls. <laughs> the, uh, I don't know what that would be. No, but it, I mean, it does come back to the question of like, you know, the nature of. One, like, how do you treat uh, your children? <laughs> and, and uh, yeah, the, how, how we think about war and what, what the costs of war are and what, I don't know, what, like, what, what our values are. Like, how, how, how far do you take it? Like, like, what is an acceptable punishment? What is an, is like, is it, is Phaeton right? He's understandable. Are the, Humans, right? They're understandable. I don't know. Like, it's it's really more about the political and the social and the, um, you know, other aspects than it is about the gear. Yeah, and and, and to extend it too, like, it it's Exo Squad more than like a lot of shows deals with like the idea of someone like being right but not justified. Like, like Phaeton is Phaeton isn't wrong, but what he's doing is wrong, and like. Napier's like anti-neo-sapienism isn't right either, but like he's still someone that we have to like engage with. And, like, work right, like if if you like, do you execute a murderer? You know, it's like yeah. it, it can seem right, but it can also seem wrong. It's very complicated. Yeah, well, you know, it's like uh, you know, Phaeton. You know, if if Phaeton had worked kind of within the system. And did the long, difficult thing of, you know, gaining more rights for Neo-Sapiens. Over time, things would have been good. But the fact that, you know, he's submitting humans to a straight-up genocide is probably going to hurt things in the long term. More than they were fucked up already. You know, it's he, by his wrong action, is just making things worse. It's, again, the cycle, you know. Yeah. He could have broken out of that cycle of violence. And that's... We're going to see a lot of characters coming forward that are just sick of that cycle of violence, and they don't want it anymore. And I think that's one of the most compelling things about the show. Yeah, I'm excited to see where it continues on from here, because I think, like, I know that, well, there's 52 episodes, we've seen 13. Um, I think the, the whole, like, notion of, it's going to grow up a little bit, I think. I'm excited about that. No, definitely. We have, like, the pirate arc coming up, and then, you know, they have to go basically world by world. Uh, in getting back on top, so to speak. Yeah. So you know, I'm I'm really curious to see kind of like, you know, if they have an episode where it's like, oh man, you know, oh JT, my frame's busted. Here's a brand new frame with cool new abilities and kung fu grip, you know, or if it kind of stays true to what it is. And I think I remember it staying mostly true, but I I remember season two being really sweet. Um. They they do more sciencey stuff I think, but one of the cool things is they go into a lot more of yeah of like of like dealing with the pirates like inner like like integrating the pirates into like the exo fleet I think I remember being pretty rad. 
yeah, yeah don't get too judgy. And I, I know there's some like there's stuff some some stuff later on that sort of seems disconnected, but um, yeah, I, I have vague visions of uh, Neo Sapiens with butterfly wings and things like that, and I'm like, yeah, yeah. They, start, they start crossing them with animals, and it's just like, yeah, I, I kind of and again, like my gut says, you know, okay, there's that shark. We jumped over a Neo Sapien shaped shark, but. <laughs> you know I, <laughs> but i really want to see it like with fresh eyes you know what i mean because i mean this is rem- me remembering it from right yeah years ago so <laughs> from college yeah <laughs> one thing i do remember from being a kid is that they make a they make a very strong point to say that you can't the the, the actually doesn't say safe anymore they have to refer to them as neosapiens and i remember as a kid being like wow they're like at war that's like a very strange move. And like, I remember that being like sticking with me as like a really cool thing. It's like Obama and that saying radical Islamic terrorists. Yeah. You know, it's like you can be at war with something, but you know, like it doesn't make it good for Marsala to do that, you know, like, and, and, and to tie it back to the cyclical thing, like to recognize your own complicity in the problem and, and taking it upon yourself to change it. Right. Like, like Napier, Napier calling everyone a filthy sape is part of what made Phaeton do it. So change starts with change starts with us, which I think is like a very cool and like under underappreciated concept. Do you think if if Napier had shook Phaeton's hand, he would have been like, you know what, man, we're cool, and just not done any of this shit? I would be lying if I said I hadn't wondered that like once a month since we started this podcast. Like, like what if he had? If he'd like shook his hand and they had like really talked it out? Like, probably not. But like, like that might. Like, what if that was the straw that broke the camel's back? Like, that's when he was like, "We'll never be. We'll never be equal." You never know. You know, but like, I, I wonder this. Like, as far as our society goes, like. If you, you know, engage with people, will they not want to blow you up? Um, and I think, like, if somebody wants to blow, wants to kill you, like, that's something they they really want to do. And I don't know. I don't, I don't know. I don't know that you can talk them out of it by, like, shaking their hand. I mean, it would have been funny if he was, like, he shook his hand. He's like, Typhonus, Shiva. Do not deploy the fleet. <laughs> but sir, we've been, be, spent years building this. Just put it away. It's all cool. I said, do not deploy the fleet. <laughs> and change the password. Anyone can guess destiny. But it's, you know, <laughs> I say it like 30 times a day. <laughs> um, but ultimately, ultimately, the thing, though, that like is important is, and this thing that I struggle with is I don't understand why everyone doesn't appreciate the fact that we're all the same and that we're all equal. And I think that's like this show how very deeply highlights, you know, differences that are really sort of differences in appearance and a little, you know, and that's, that's like the biggest thing because I think they share the same sort of relative cognitive abilities. No, definitely. And like, you know, it's like, Oh, humans are a little more creative, but Neosapiens are, you know, super good at other science. Like, wow, if you guys work together, you'd have, like, the best of everything. You know, it's, there are a lot of those sorts of contrasts put together. Um, But yeah, it's all visual stuff. You know, none of it is really that real, I guess. And I I think that's why the Nara Burns-Marsala relationship is so important, too, is that, like, they are in love, right? Like, they don't say it explicitly, but, like, they love each other. Like, they really are, like, like, not, like, and, like, She's like a human farm girl from Venus, and he's like, he's even he's like a sixty year old like. Uh, like they, they, they should hate each other the most. Yeah, but they love and each they other. absolutely and they absolutely love each other. Like like J, like like Nara loves Marsala and Marsala like there's that awesome scene in like the first episode where Nara's about to pass out and she looks at Marsala and is like, I know I'm be safe with you like. From the ver from the very beginning, like it doesn't matter that he's a Neo Sapien. It doesn't matter that she like has a teddy bear that like might be alive. Like they love each other, <laughs> and are in love, and like it doesn't matter, right? 
and and to the point of like the like the Napier the like the contrast of that is like like people like like all of that like all of that stuff that leads Phaeton to believe that like humans have to be subjugated is contradicted by the fact that like Nara and Marsal like can make it work despite like an interplanetary war. Yeah, seriously, Jesus. I think we've, you know, we're running a little long, but who would be your MVPs for this episode? Like, I mean, this is like a killer episode, so make it count. I think if it's not Marsala, your head's up your ass. Uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm going to pop my head out of my ass to shout out JT Marsh's frame. Uh, <laughs> that guy rolls deep. Uh, that lady. Oh, yeah, it's a lady voice, isn't it? Yeah, lady voice. Are they all lady voices? I don't know. Hmm. Yeah, Marsa, uh, although I don't know, I, I am going to give it to Typhonus though, because that guy shows a lot of initiative in this episode. Like he's kind of portrayed as a dingus uh, up until now, when he's like he like star screams it and is like, "Nah, man, like sorry, like Phaeton died in the fighting. Guess I'm in charge now. Like that's that's a that's a that's a fucking uh, Stringer Bell move, and I respect it. <laughs> I love that too. He doesn't just say it like quietly, like. You know, oh, he died in the fight. He literally turns to like a whole room full of dudes and just like, <laughs> just just tell him to kill Phaeton. Just make sure that's in the orders. And the guy's like, okay, we can do that. But oh man, I guess uh, we got two out of the way. I gotta say, uh, fuck man, just you know, for for variety's sake, I'm gonna say that mechanic Neo Sapien because anytime they show like, you know, a non soldier. Neo Sapien, I'm re- always really into it because I think it's the funniest thing because they're always like, you know, like Stentor and fucking like. Oh, Stentor is my favorite character. Yeah, they're, he, like, they're, my, like, they're like parodies. It, it, it like might it kind of ties back to the idea that the Neo Sapiens aren't creative. Like they emulate everything about Terran professions, right? Like mechan like mechanics dress like '50s TV show mechanics. <laughs> yeah, you know, their scientists are like in tunics and stuff like that. Like it's. It's very much, you know, actually, Chris, I'm going to change my mind to Stentor. Stentor is my MVP for this episode. I am your announcer, Stentor. <laughs> He's, you're going with Stentor? I, you know, it's a, it's a bold choice. Yeah, I mean, you know, Marsala's speech was good, but Stentor's opening monologue was even better. Absolutely. So. <laughs> I, I mean, anyone, anyone arguing that Stentor isn't the MVP of the season is just not watching the show. Yeah, well, let's, let's save that for the next episode. Well, like, what, we... yeah, no, what I'm interested in seeing is, like... The Stentor episode? Yeah, exactly, the Stentor special. <laughs> I'm interested in seeing the, the, the Stentor special, the Star Wars special. But, like, the neo Sapiens that start to disagree with Phaeton. You know, yeah. we've seen, you know, I think, like, the nuanced perspectives of all the different types of people. Because, like, you know, you live, the, you live in the world and you're like, man, like, I can't say anything anymore. I don't know what's which way's up. Like, I like that thing, but then there was this incisive think piece about how terrible it was or that's it was terrible there was an incisive think piece about how good it was i think what's what'll be interesting hopefully is that you'll see start to see neo sapiens disagreeing with phaeton and that'll be interesting that's awesome guys hey well really quickly before we uh before we sign off we got two things to take care of and i think you know what one of them is Two loopy ladies. Do you want to buy a cat gray cream crochet hat, baby? I think I know a place. Where's that place, Chris? Go to Etsy.com slash two loopy ladies or type in two loopy ladies when you go to Etsy because you can search for it and get yourself a fantastic crocheted, handmade scarf, hat, little owl. Uh, You won't be disappointed. Contrary to what you may think, the two loopy ladies don't actually do the crocheting themselves. They only employ the finest small children. So their little hands get give you the finest quality stitching. False. <laughs> That's not true. Yeah, not real. <laughs> yeah, definitely false. Yeah, no, they're doing it themselves. They're amazing. They're amazing people. They're amazing artists. Please check out their store. Yeah, and again, yeah. we won't stop till someone buys something and we'll know. Um, anything else we want to shout out? Uh, I want to shout out Castle Island Beer. Um, All right. They, uh, it's a uh, beer brewed by a Connecticut College alum, Adam Romano, Woo. and uh, it's super good. Castle Island Beer, Castle Island Beer dot com, uh, brewery dot com, uh, or check out their brewery in Norwood. 
Hells yeah. Go Kong Kong. Yeah, go Camels. Woo. Uh, and finally, guys, what was your awesome thing for this week? This is like a, a sweet one. <laughs> <laughs> so we went to the uh, Brandywine Zoo in Wilmington, and there was nobody there. It was great. There was, like, <laughs> was animals and nobody, and uh, it was a lot of fun. That's awesome. Yeah, it was awesome. That's really rad. They were all out. You know, like a lot of animals hide, but they were all out like, out in their pens. So it was super cool. That is one of the best things ever when you get to actually see them all like doing their thing and not, you know, it's, not hiding away. I could go on about it, but yeah, it was super cool. What you got, Ryan? Anything Anything good happen? Yeah, today was Patriots Day in Boston. Uh, the Boston Marathon ran, uh, <laughs> which is super rad because like everyone comes out for the day and like they hang out and like, the marathon is super rad. Like everybody's, uh, like knows someone who's running, and like, yeah, it was sweet. Uh, yeah, it was. Patriots say rules. Hell's yeah, and you get that midday uh, Red Sox game. Yeah, man, also sweet. But yeah, dude, and like uh, Galen Rupp came in second, USA, USA. <laughs> nice. The uh, I will say my awesome thing is it's not a personal thing, but I'm addicted to watching these videos where people get those. Uh, fix your color blindness glasses you ever see those no but i'm getting into this it, it's it's like you know it'll be like a grandpa who has never actually seen uh the full spectrum of color and then it's like you know his kids will basically have balloons blown up all around of all different colors and then he puts on the glasses and like just breaks down because it's like holy shit i didn't realize that you know there were this many colors because could you imagine like being a fully functional person you know not like a little kid because little kids, you know, are dumb and wonderful and everything. But like, you know, having so stupid. Yeah, oh, it's it's amazing. But, you know, seeing like red for the first time or green or something, you know what I mean? Like and, and being cognizant. I remember when I got my glasses because, you know, yeah, <laughs> nerd doing a nerd podcast wearing glasses. But uh, I remember putting on my glasses on for the first time and being able to see like details of trees. So imagine that'd be like a thousand times cooler if it's actual colors, you know? I do remember getting glasses and being like, oh, wow, there's, like, a lot of stuff I didn't see. Like, <laughs> like there's, like, a lot of part, like, there's, like, there's, like, lines of people's faces I just didn't know about. Like, I had a curly-haired dog that I did not realize was that curly hair <laughs> until I had glasses, and I'm like, holy shit. Yeah. We have, to, we have to comb you. I've had glasses since I was a child, so I don't remember. <laughs> I, but, I definitely, for when I was in middle school, I got glasses but refused to wear them because I didn't want to look like a nerd. So I spent the entire class, I spent like six months of middle school leaning to the front of my chair and like squinting because I thought that was like way cooler than just wearing glasses, which everyone had anyways. Like, <laughs> yeah, I thought it was just really bad at division. And then I realized <laughs> like, oh, I can't see the board. That's that's why. Yeah. Um, I'm still pretty bad at math, though. But, uh, well, guys, that was a killer, killer good time, you know? We did it. We did it. You know, uh, I'd like to say uh, thank you to Eric Calderon for our intro and outro music. His stuff is awesome. Find him on YouTube at, I forgot the name of the thing, but find him on YouTube. He's great. Um, again, you, you can find this on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, SoundCloud. I'm updating that again. Uh, and, yeah, you know, the biggest thing you guys can do is share our podcast with someone you might think would like it. Um, it's It really is a help. Uh, please, you, right there listening, I know you. No, not you, you. Leave us a written review. Come on, let us know how we're doing. Um, you could be a trendsetter. You can be, you can, you can tell, you can tell your friends, like, yo, I was in Exo Squad goals, like, way before everybody else. And you'll have the review to prove it. You will have written proof that you were on the ground floor of the Exo Squad part. But, but yeah, like you're listening because you love the show, not because you like it, right? <laughs> Be because you love it. And that's why we're doing this podcast is because we love the show, not because we like it, not because we saw it once and thought, oh, that's fine. Like we're all in this together. You're a part of our community. We're part of yours. So let's, you know, share it, help us out, like talk to us. Like that's what we want to hear. Yeah, no, definitely. And it's like, Every little bit helps. And, you know, it's been really great getting in touch with you guys. And, you know, if you guys have any questions, anything you want to hear discussed on the end of season one 
Spooktacular. Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> There's a g -g -g ghost. Um, <laughs> it's me. It's your frame, JT Mosh. Um, <laughs> your frame. <laughs> it's me, your sobriety, Wolf Bromsky. <laughs> Uh, if there's anything you want to hear discussed, like hit us up. You can find us on Twitter at Exosquad Goals. Use the hashtag Exosquad Goals to find us. Don't use hashtag Exosquad because apparently that's a big thing in Brazil right now. Um, trust me on that. What? There's like there's some like YouTube streamer who just started using like hashtag Exosquad, and I it's like hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of like posts between him and like three other people. It's very confusing. Um, anyway, we're real people, so please talk to us, and we'll talk to you. Yeah, exactly. And email us at exosquadgoals at gmail.com, and we will hit you back. And uh, yeah, guys, it's always fun. We'll have a new episode next Saturday. It will be the end of season one special, maybe part one. I don't know. We'll see how long things go. But for Exosquad Goals, I'm Chris Mastelon. I'm Ryan Hardy. And I'm Chris Tarantino. Uh, are there any heroes in this company? No, sir. Nailed it. Awesome. See you next Saturday. Woo! Bye! Spring break. Spring break forever. There's just there's something there's this weird I don't think it's a no maybe it's not a notion maybe it's just the wine. Um, <laughs> I've had a lot of wine tonight. And I'm gonna yeah. talk to you. Um, but like, <laughs> if you have to like one type of thing, like I love Game of Thrones and I love Gilmore Girls, right? Like it, if it's good, I'll like it. It doesn't have to be. And by the way, Ryan, you're the one who turned me on to Gilmore Girls because you were it's like just so awesome. You were, you were like, you know what you'd like? And I was like, I don't know if you remember this, but I remember it very clearly. You're like, you know what you'd like? I was like, no, you were like Gilmore Girls. And I was like, Ryan, who like, <laughs> loves metal and like bacon, loves Gilmore Girls. Okay, I'm in. And I watched it and I was like, Ryan is right, I'm, as usual. It's so good. Dude, it's the other day I watched Judge or Retaliation, ECW One Night Stand 2005. And then the parts of uh, Sex and the City Season 3 where Kyle McLaughlin and Charlotte are having the problems. And I enjoyed all of them fantastically. But that's the world we... Like, you can like it all. Like, why not? Drink it all in, man. Find that happiness. Drink deeply of Amazon Prime.